Watch this. My first, because I'll prove it to you. It's up on the text. Turn, if you will, in your Bibles to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Let me get there with you. Anybody love the Word? Isn't the Word wonderful? It's a blessing. Psalm 27. And I'm going to also turn over to Psalm 31, too. But this is in now this series, and this is the last of this series today uh, on enlargement. And you see, I got it out of Psalm 4.1, uh, which says, Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. So we talked about the enlargement, that when things are distressful, that there's actually an enlargement going on inside of you. We talked about the advantage of adversity, how God said that, uh, he said, the God of all grace who's called you to his eternal glory, which is an eternal perspective. Now open your eyes and see from eternity. He says, he called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus. He says, after you've suffered for a while. Oh, I don't want to preach on that today. Don't talk about suffering. He says, after you've suffered for a while, he said, this God of all grace will strengthen you. He will perfect you. He will establish you and he will settle you talked about the fellowship of his suffering and how that's going on even today. More Christians are being uh, put to death and tortured today than uh, in the last 20 years than in the last 2,000 years put together. And Christians and Jews. So what that means is Revelation says the devil knows when his time is short on the earth and he's speeding up his work. So we're seeing the conflict and, the, and, and the, the suffering that Christians are going on. And the Bible tells us, Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. Last week we talked about the goodness of God. And here's the companion to this. And before I read that scripture, look this way. This is what really we've got, why I took a whole message. I could have combined these, but here's what you've got to do. And you, brother, you need to hear me, brother, sister. You need to understand the goodness of God so when troubles hit your life, you know where you stand. You need to be convinced of it because when the storms come, you say, well, they're not going to come. No, the Bible says, Jesus said, you know, blessed are those who are persecuted. It says, you know, when the storms come and beat against that house that it was in. So in other words, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when it does and, and what we need to be convinced of is God is good. And he's good. He's not less good than when you're going through the fire than he is when you're on the mountaintop. That his goodness does not diminish. It is a part of who he is. All right, so you need to be convinced of that. Now, we're in Psalm 27 and verse 13. This is out of the New King James. Now, look at this verse. (laughs) I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. Come on, somebody. Can we read it together off the screen? Read it with me. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do you see there what he's saying? He says, I would have, one version, your version probably says, I would have fainted. I would have lost heart unless, in other words, something David is saying here is that something 
would happen. He says, and when it happens, I might have lost heart, but he says, I had believed. In other words, I had already believed before it started happening to me. And then he says, believe what? That I would see the goodness of the Lord. And in the land of living. One, by the way, one translation does the land of the living. It says in this present world. Because you think is land of living means heaven. Yes. And does it mean here? Yes. Because it means this. Whatever's happening in this present world is going to turn out for your good in the next. And you've got to know that God is working. Now, go to, uh, to uh, 31, Psalm 31, 19. This is an expanded translation. Uh, Psalm 31, 19. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you've laid up for those who fear, revere, and worship you. Goodness, which you, now look at this word, which you have woven for those who trust and take refuge in you before the sons of men. Would you lay your hand on your Bible there and let's agree. Lord, I ask you for a download of revelation. As Lord, I attempt to go into that neutral zone, into that place uh, where things that are inexplicable and unexplainable, God, that, that we can know our God and we can know the destiny that we're heading toward no matter what our present circumstances are. God, I ask you for the quickening. Help me to speak, not, Lord, just to the ears of men and women, but God, to speak for the ears of the living God who hears this message and and records it. Help me to speak under the anointing and help your people to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. For we ask this in Jesus' name and God's people said. Amen. Amen. God's got all kinds of mysteries that he has set up in his creation. Proverbs 25.2 says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of rulers to seek a matter out. God says in Isaiah 55, he says, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So what God is trying to get across to us is that in this world and circumstances you're going through, You cannot always understand what it is that God's doing because he's working at a different level. And here I go. And he's working in a dimension that you can't see with your physical eyes. He is right now. He's working on you. And no matter what circumstances you are in, God is there. I love it the way God, I mean, you you think they they talk about the universe. We only know like 97% of the universe. I mean, there's dark matter out there. There, There's black holes. I mean, they say that they they haven't even seen the end of it. They say that, you know, used to they taught that the universe was slowing down because they believed in the Big Bang, but they found out, guess what? It's speeding up as it expands. And the word says, you spread out the heavens. We know only less, less uh, than 20% about the DNA of man, about the DNA inside of you. We know very little about the mind of the human being. They're still exploring. I just heard with this jet that went down in the Indian Ocean, one of the uh, oceanologists said, we know uh, 90 plus percent, I think he said 97%, we do not know about the ocean deeps. We haven't even explored it. All these things around that are in the zone of, we don't know. Put the little bumblebee up there. Um, 
uh, astrophysicist, that's kind of hard to say, have said they're not supposed to fly. You understand that. They said because of their, their, their body mass and their weight and their, their little wings that, that uh, there's no way logical that they're supposed to fly. They still can't. They've tried little models to see if they could duplicate it. They can't. You know what I just, God, the creator is just sitting there going, yeah, deal with that, you know. Because they're trying, and, and then they also, when, when they're going from plant to plant, they're carrying pollen, they're, they're adding more weight, even making it more. It's how are they doing that? God's going, I'm a God who works in ways you can't figure out. And the little bumblebee is just one way of doing that. I want to take you on this journey now to, to wrap this message to take you to that place, and I hope you're taking notes. We've got a place on the back of the um, bulletin there for you to do that. Because listen, church, if you don't need this, you're going to need it, or you're going to run into somebody who does need it. Because sometimes things happen that we can't explain. But you have to know who God is. I was thinking of this, you know, uh, uh, thinking of... Wes and I were talking about Rick and Bubba. It was was it Rick Burgess's son? That, was it his son that died as a brown? You know, they're Christians on the on the radio, and he's he's very vocal about his faith. Well, his son, little boy, drowned in the pool, and you know, and the whole world is looking and saying, "You're a Christian now. Is your God strong? It, would could your God not have stopped that? And in doing that, is your God still good?" You know, did you hear the story a few years ago about Stephen Curtis Chapman? About um, he had adopted a little uh, Asian girl. I think she was seven years old. And uh, his oldest son had just learned to drive and got into their SUV and was backing out of the driveway and didn't see her and backed over her. Now, here's one of the most best-known Christian artists in, in the world today. Great, Him and his wife worked with adoption agencies and work with children's agencies and love God and yet the little baby they had adopted got run over by that truck folks there are just simply things that happen that you go I, I, I don't know there are things that we know that we know and there are things that we know that we don't know and in that case we need to know the character of our God, and he says there again, he says, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you've laid up for those who fear and revere and worship you. Goodness, which you've woven for those, woven for those who trust you and take refuge in you. Now, turn over to Psalm 139. We're kind of touching on some of the Psalms here today and talking about the, the hidden places of God, the mysteries the Bible talks about. I want you to look at the language. I'm going to use the Amplified version because the Amplified goes in and gives you those types and shadows of the original language. And Psalm 139, I'm going to pick it up with verse 13. And look at, look at now notice the language he uses here. For you did form my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. The, the word knit, notice it. I will confess and praise you for you are fearful 
and wonderful. And for the awful wonder of my birth. <laughs> you, you get see that? For the awful wonder. Look at your neighbor and say, you know you're awful. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that you understand. Not the awful in awful in that it's awesome. Do you understand when you were born, it's awesome. Now look at your neighbor and say, you're pretty awesome. Some of y'all not too excited about that. You're, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And how awfully you're made, it says. You are awesome. In fact, your instructions after the service today, go to the bathroom mirror, stand there and look at yourself and say, you're pretty awesome. That's not a prideful thing. That's what he said. And he says, um, it says, for wonderful are your works, wonderful of your works, and my inner soul knows that. Notice the word it says, knows. My soul knows this very well. All right, my, my notes have gotten uh, mixed up here. Hang on, because I've gotten them all mixed together with different kinds of notes. Will y'all pray for me? Lord, help the little preacher. Next part. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being formed in the secret, intricately, hmm, uh, curiously wrought, that's an interesting word, wrought, as if embroidered with various colors in the depths of the earth, a region of darkness and mystery, You saw my unformed substance, and in your book, all the days of my life were written before they took shape, when as yet none of of them had been lived out. Are you seeing the language that the Creator makes is that he's, He's rotting? One word uses, another translation says fashioning. He's weaving. He's doing something it's, just, it's, it's in dark places, mysterious places, secret places. And so not only did God do that when you were in your mother's womb, it said all the days of your life. Do you understand, as we've heard, we've said before, that God is not a God who, uh, who plans his work and then just lets it unfold. It says, what we find out, that he creates all things, acts says, known to God are all of his works before any of them come to pass. So what that means, God operates by foreknowledge. So he planned your life out. I know the thoughts and the, and, and the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. He, plan, he, he, he planned you. He wove or knitted your days in a certain way. And then he is in your future right now. And he's saying, if you'll walk in my way, you're going to be creating a tapestry. You're going to be creating a picture that at the end of it, when it comes together, you're going to step back. I hope you're encouraged today. And you're going to see your life. And when you allowed me to do the weaving, you're going to, you're going to say, marvelous are your works, God. Here's the amazing thing, that he can take the sad things. He can take the valleys. He can take the setbacks. He can take when somebody has wounded you, when somebody has ripped your heart out, when somebody has falsely accused you, when somebody has offended you. You understand, this is what Joseph said to his brothers. Remember that? He said, watch now. He said, what you did, you meant it for evil against me. He said, but God meant it for good. 
the, 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 the Greek, I mean, excuse me, the Hebrew verb there for mint, it means to weave. So literally it means he said to them, what you wove against me, my God rewove it and gave it back to me good. I'm going to preach myself happy. Right in the middle of a message on evil and suffering. Because folks, nothing that happens to you takes your God by surprise. He already knew what you were going to be walking through. And guess what? He already knew the struggles that you have and yet he still bought into you. I need to get an amen right there. Aren't you glad that he, you know, he's looking at your future? He knew you were going to have problems, but he set his love on you anyway. And he didn't give up on you. Aren't you glad? And he said, you knew all my days. Now, we're, we're continuing with this theme now, this hidden thread that God is weaving. Ephesians 2.10, I'll put it up there as amplified. Watch this now. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which he predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Man, I think he's trying to get something across to us in that verse, don't you? It means he has lovingly gone out in front of you and he says, I've got something I want you to cop. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. That when he, when he created you in your mother's womb, it says, then it says he fashioned or he wrought. That meant literally, you understand the DNA of a human being, that it's actually a, a, a strand. It twists. And inside of that DNA, there is information. When God was knitting you in your mother's womb, he was putting information inside of you. And he said, not only that, he says, I, 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 uh, I'm gonna, I, like blue, I like blue eyes, so I'm going to give you good blue eyes. Uh, I like brown eyes. Brown eyes? I'm going to give you some brown eyes. You know, I, 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 like, I like personality. I like people who are real talkative, so I'm going to make you talkative. I don't know who I was looking at when I just said that. I like people who are real quiet and kind of contemplative and very chill. So I like people like that. So you understand when he put his stamp on you, your personality, he says, mm. and not only this, he says, he said, when he finished all, each day, it said, and it was good. But when he finished you, when he finished man, he said, and it was very good. So guess what? You showed up at church, and by the way, if anybody hadn't tell you, you look real nice. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> you. And God likes the way he made you. Now, there are some undone parts for us that he's still working on, and he's still working, he's still rotting, but he says, you are his handiwork. All right, let's move on. Go to Romans 8, if you want to go there. This is out of the New King Jimmy Version. This is our, the heart of the message here today. The hidden thread of God. And folks, let me just make a comment about this. The book of Romans is probably one of the most doctrinal books of the whole Bible. It's, it's what a lot of our forefathers and a lot of um, church movements before us, this, this, it's, it's one of the books from which we form a lot of our beliefs, our core beliefs as, as, as Christians. And uh, I really don't have time because I, I need to get just to, to some points here in just a moment to walk you through about when people go through hard times, when people go through, when they've been confronted by evil, when they're suffering 
and you don't have an answer, I believe that there are some things that we do know. But this verse is often quoted and probably is going to hospitals for many, many years as, as a pastor. Uh, you know, if I'm standing there, for instance, and I'm holding the hands of somebody that their little child has just been in a car accident and they're looking at the pastor and I'm supposed to be representing Jesus and they're saying, why did, why did this happen? And folks, the answer is, is that a lot of times we just don't know. Can I give you a picture of something that reminded me of this before I read this verse? I was sitting, it was one of the camps before down in Destin and I was having lunch with some other pastors now, I was sitting there with Pastor Curtis Silcox, who is, um, what's, Scott, Scott, I didn't think of Scott, the pastor, youth pastor over at um, The Rock. I was sitting there with Curtis Silcox, and I was and on one side of me, actually, Kevin Black, Pastor Kevin Black, how many of y'all know him? He's out at Green Hill, Green Hill Church out there, um, the bridge. He's a, he's a dear friend. We, he, he's been here with us. He had just had a car accident three years ago out on 43 where he hit an 18-wheeler and it ripped almost the whole driver's side off of him. They, they medevaced him to uh, Huntsville Hospital thinking they had tra- uh, triage trauma. I mean, figuring, okay, this, this is going to be bad. The, he survived it, so it's going to be bad. They got there and they could not explain why he was just bruised up a little bit, but he survived it. And, I, and I, folks, I didn't even realize it until afterward it caught me. I said, I had Kevin sitting right here and Brother Curtis on the other side. I said, Kevin, tell the whole table, table what just happened to you. And he began to tell. And I didn't realize when he said it, Brother Curtis was sitting on the other side of him and had also been hit head on by a woman over on 431. And in hitting head and flipped his SUV up, he had broken bones, he had all kinds of injuries, and he had long-term suffering and problems of coming out of that injury. This guy's a missionary. This is the guy who I'm going to China with. He's in 44 nations. He's been a pastor. I mean, this is a great man of God. And yet I'm watching as Kevin is saying how God protected him, and I'm watching Curtis's face. It's like, hmm, I wasn't I can't claim that kind of protection in other words I went through something that I cannot explain but I'm looking at a man saying but I still know that God is good and I don't know why it happened that he was shielded but I had to go through pain and that either one of us had a wreck I mean, I've heard stories of people where there was almost uh, a wreck that happened. I heard one pastor was sitting at a red light. I've told you this story before. And a uh, a lumber truck was coming off a hill, had lost his brakes. As as he was coming up to the red light, he turned the truck and it jackknifed and it started rolling and the, the logs came off the back of that. The bed started rolling and it came right up to the car sitting at the red light and his and his wife were sitting there and they're thinking, oh, we're about to get crushed. And everybody that was around it saw it. As as soon as the logs got right up to the front of the car, it said, it said they appeared to lift and go over the car and land in the back of it. And Noah said, "There's no, we don't understand how that happened except to say there was an angel. I heard the story on 700 Club of, of a man who was a mechanic and he was working on a truck and the jacks on the, on the um, truck collapsed and it fell on him and it trapped him and the truck was, it, it, the body of the truck was crushing his chest. He couldn't breathe. He was screaming. 
He said he, he passed out, but he woke back up. He was going in out of consciousness. He said he looked. Now, this is, remember, we're talking about mysteries, right? We're talking about the inexplicable. He said he opened, and he said he could see on either side at the bumper of the truck, he saw two angels. He said, and they were holding the truck off of him just enough to where it wouldn't kill him. And he said, until the paramedics got him there and they were able to get him out of the out from under. And but he did continue to suffer problems from the injury that the truck caused. But there were still angels there protecting him from death. Folks, this verse I believe contains a lot of information that we need to know when it's talking about things we don't understand. Now watch this. Verse 28, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things, somebody say all things. I want to ask you, church, what is all things? How much is all things? Does that leave anything out? Am I missing something here? So it said, when it says all, what do you think God's trying to get across to us? The good, the bad, the ugly? All right. Thank you, Bones. We know that all things... Watch, and, and that word they're working together is the same as wrought or fashioned or weaved. All things work together for what? It didn't say bad, y'all. Somebody might get happy somewhere about halfway through this message that you've got to understand God has already set a promise on you. He said it's going to be for the good. But there is also a, a prerequisite. You want to know what it is? Next part. For those who love God. That is his permission to say, because you set your love on me, there's nothing that can happen to you that will turn out bad for you. Man, I'm going to run. I got my running shoes on this morning. That means it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter what hell you go through. It doesn't matter if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, I love this. It's like the, it's like the Lord, he almost draws the enemy in to use you to pounce on him. He's, he's going, oh, help me, Lord. He's going to Job. He's saying, have you, he goes to, to the devil. He said, have, have you noticed, hey, have you noticed... He's a name dropper. God is. The devil's coming up to give his report. And he's, hey, have you noticed my servant Job? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he's, he, yeah, he, he won't, he's serving you because you're good. Because you blessed his, he got a hedge around him. I can't touch him. So take that hedge down. That, that old boy will curse you up in your face. That's a little bit of nomenclature. That's, that's paraphrasing it. And, and God says, all right. If you don't like this, it's what it's, he said, I'll, I'll let you at him. And he said, but you can't take his life. And he said, you know what Job went through? And then he came back again and, and went for more. And God says, all right, I'm going to let you go at him. Oh, folks, there's something invisible. God's got a, he's got a stealth operation in your life. When he goes to Peter and he says, hey, Pete, the devil has requested to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you that you would be strong. And when you've gone through your sifting, you'll be able to come out and, 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 and encourage and strengthen your brethren with a strength that you didn't have until after you went through the sifting. It's like the Lord is saying, I am going to use you to body slam the devil. The devil who is this supernatural being, this fallen angel who, who was 
perfect in heaven, it said, and, and possessed this great power. It's like the Lord draws him in. And, and even the angels said, the angels look at you and me, and they said, they're made of dust. You, you, come on. This is, this is dust. I mean, they're made of the same stuff the ground is, God. And then his, he said, <laughs> breathed into his nostrils of breath, and man became a living soul. And he's, he's in the image and likeness of God. And the angels and the demons look and say, they look like the God that created them. And he put his spirit. Whoa! And then the devil thinks, well, you know what? I'm bad. I can take you out. And God says, you know what? I always like to confound the wise with foolish things. I always like to make the world thinks you're just a bunch of cotton-headed ninnies. Sitting in church, you old religious thing, you. You could be home watching television and reading the paper, but you're sitting in church. Oh, poor pitiful you. You need a crutch. And what they don't realize is you've got an awesome power inside of you. And when the enemy comes to get you and he tries to throw everything that he's got at you, and I even love what Paul said. He said, we are knocked down, but we're not knocked out. For some of us standing here, and I'm just going to testify since I'm 34-year-old today, there have been a couple of times where he knocked me down. And I could hear the count. Ten, nine, eight, seven. And everybody's going, yeah, and the, dim, and the, 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 the minions of hell are going, yeah, we destroyed his ministry. We destroyed his name. We took him down. And the Lord goes, the same spirit that raised me from the dead is inside of him. And I started feeling, it's like, okay, he did. He, yeah, everybody, everybody, everybody hit in the gut. Anybody ever had the wind knocked out of you? Oh, I always loved that in football. That was crazy, y'all. Y'all remember that you get the wind knocked out of you and you're laying there and you can't breathe, you know. And the coach comes up. I'm sorry, y'all can't send me back there. But the coach comes up and goes, what's wrong? You're going, ah! Did you get hit? Ah! And I don't know why they did this. Come on, what did they do? They grab your britches and pull your britches up. And you're going, that's not doing anything. I can't breathe. Devil kind of put you one right in the solar plexus. You go down. And he said, yeah, I see that? I, I, I brought it to him. And then you stand up and dust yourself off. And you look and stare him down. Oh, you, you, you heard, y'all know George Foreman? Anybody, y'all, anybody remember George Foreman? He, he, he's a preacher. He's a Baptist preacher now, by the way. Uh, his first bout with Ali, Ali float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Uh, Foreman was known to have a heavy right hand. He was known to have what is called a waymaker, right? And, you know, he, he, he was a big man. He was a lot bigger than Ali. And in their first fight, you know, they're fighting and, and they're dancing around, you know, and Ollie's doing that rat tat tat on him. And George waiting for it. He's like this right here. I got a hammer down here. Come on, come on. And he's looking for that opening. And he knew every man that he landed that punch on went down. And he's waiting, and I don't know about halfway through it, he saw an opening. And 
bam, down he went. Everybody like, ah, that's it, that's it. And if you know the story, they're going. The man's coming up. The referee's going to come. Ten, nine, and Ali stands up. He walks over. He calls him back together, and he goes up into George's face. And he says, "Is that the best you got?" And George Foreman he said, "And chills went all through my body. I thought I hit the man with my best shot, and he's still standing." I need to tell you that if the devil manages to get one in on you and knock you out, you can stand up and you can look right back at him and say, is that the best you got? Because it's not by my might. It's not by my power. But it's by my spirit that I'm standing here today. You can't take me out because I've got an end to my story. And you don't write it. Lord, I'm trying to just stand here and teach. We know that all things work together for the good who those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For now watch this, those he foreknew, those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the son, the firstborn among many brethren. Well, folks, there's a reason. If I can just catch my breath here now, I need to. <laughs> if I'm going to preach like that, I probably need to start running or something. <laughs> Hang on. All right, here we go. <sighs> you know, I need a coach to come up here and grab my britches. <laughs> yeah, I'm only 34. I know y'all thought I was 21, but I'm actually 34. I get, I get that a lot, you know. But anyway... A lot of people look at that verse and say, you know, that, that's just a trite thing. That's just a, that's a cliche when you're going through something. Everybody quotes that verse. There's a reason we quote that verse. It's because when we're going through something, we can extract. Remember we said when you go through adversity, all it is is a season for you to extract information that you couldn't get anywhere else. And when you're going through a test, God is trying to find something inside of you it's not that he doesn't know understand what his foreknowledge he already knows that was what's amazing he says hey Abe go offer Isaac and did God know well according to what we see according to his foreknowledge he knew so why is he going to take the man through it come on somebody he wanted the man to see he wanted him to see what's inside of him the reason he will put you through test, he knows. But he wants you to see what's inside of you. Some of you don't realize the greatness. I can tell it. You don't realize the greatness inside of you. And God knows the potential you have. God knows the possibilities. He knows the future hope. And he knows it's in you. But sometimes the way he gets you to your graduate degree is not the way you thought. Sometimes it's a university of hard knocks. Sometimes you're going to go through the college of suffering and pain and facing evil down. And just like, just like Josh, um, excuse me, uh, Joseph, yeah, you're going to be, they're all going to bow down to you. Oh, great. Well, you're not going to like how you're going to get there. But see, God's ways are not our ways, are they? I want you to look at this as the perspective of evil. This is the big picture. We're going to take the 10,000-foot view, then we're going to bring it down to where we are. Eternal perspective on... Um, evil and suffering. This is what we do know. All right? We do know this. 
In the Garden of Eden, there was no evil, right? That's you down there, your little, that little stick person. That's you and me. Because we were in Adam. Everybody say, I'm so ticked off at Adam. We'll get, here's the only, only person that can get on to Adam is that if you haven't sinned, then you don't have anything to say to him. All right? But in Adam, you know what happened. The curse fell. But we fast forward, you read the book of Revelation, and you realize, you said, and John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And watch this now. And God says, and I will wipe away all their tears. Watch, and there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death. Whoo, Lord, take us there. I want to get there. But you see, there's a question mark in between because we know that evil and pain and suffering are a result of the fall, don't we? Okay, so you see in that, but there's a question mark. God is saying, hey, wait a minute. Even though there's evil, I have a redemptive plan to weave what's evil against you and reweave it for you. I have something that I can say, those who put their love on me, I work together for the good. Here's the fabric of creation and salvation. Here's, this, is the, this is the lightning round here. You, you see how much I overlooked just to get to this. First of all, there's eternity past. Mostly what we know about that was that Lucifer was the worship leader in heaven. But he said, because iniquity was found in you, the, the, the Hebrew word for iniquity means to twist. So now we're back to weaving again. Jesus said, watch out for workers of iniquity who prophesy in my name, who, who do many wonderful works, but they are workers of iniquity. In other words, they twist to tangle. All right? And so we know that in eternity past. Then we know that he came down into the garden, right? And that because Adam and Eve uh, gave into his seduction, his temptation, that evil came into the world. This is what a lot of people don't understand is that God, when you say, what about the pain and suffering? It wasn't his fault. He gave us the right to choose. You want to know why he did that? Because if he, if he programmed us like robots, then you could not really say you love God. You would only be programmed to love him. He gave you a choice because love must be chosen. I need a little help up here. You've got to, you've got to choose to set your love. And in choosing, now it's real love. And God is saying, I'm looking for somebody who will set their love on me. And in doing this, he says, now I'm going to begin to work on your behalf. Everything that was working against you, now it's working for you. And then, and then what happened? Noah's flood. I encourage you to watch. Kirk Cameron has done a little DVD. It's an apologetic on pain and suffering. You can get it at the bookstore. He brought this out. I guess I'd never caught this. What, what did God put in the sky at the end of the Noah's? Do you know that, that that's not what it says? You know what God called it? He said, I set my bow. We call it a rainbow. Now look at this. A bow, all of us who know archery, right? You have the bow that's bent. But notice which way the bow is bent. When you think that the bow is on the earth, I mean the, the string and the bow is pointed to what's happening? The arrow's pointed what? Because the lamb was going to be slain. Because God was going to come down to the creation that had fallen. And he said, and I'm going to take the shot. I'm going to take the arrow for you. So he says, I've put my bow in there as a promise. I'm not going to judge the earth like I did with water, but I'm going to judge my son with your sin. Woo, glory to God. I could end right there, but I'm not. 
I got to get to this now. Then, of course, God became man. He, the one who knew no sin became sin, that we could get the righteousness of God in us. Then we've got the new heavens and new earth and an eternity future. Now, so there you see that. You see that in that span of time, is he not a patient God? Could he not at some point say, okay, I'm done with these, you know, bunch of sinners, you know, every time I've given them chance after chance after chance and they keep messing it up again and again and again. And people say, well, you know, um, why do bad things happen to good people? But usually people don't ask, why do uh, good things happen to bad? Bad things happen to good people or good things happen to bad people. Y'all understand what I'm saying? In other words, we kind of, it's all, it's all kind of tangled and mixed up because of iniquity. Because of what's happened in the earth. But God says, take it over to to the other side where I make all things new. Behold, I make all things new. He said, you're going to see how I am good and I'm working everything for your good. Let me give you an expanded translation of Hebrews, excuse me, Romans 8.28. Because now I want you to notice how it resets because a lot of our translations try to put it in the English, the way we speak. This puts it back closer to the Greek the way it was written. We know with an absolute knowledge that those who are loving God, notice how it put that verse? We know with an absolute knowledge that those who are loving God, all things are working together, resulting in good. The, the, the New American says that God causes it. God causes all things to work together for the good. For those divinely summoned ones, according to his purpose. So God has a purpose, church. Because those he foreordained, he marked out beforehand as those who were to be conformed and derive the image of his son with the result that he is the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, Jesus, what he accomplished, he was the firstborn of what we're going to be an inheritance. We're getting an inheritance to. And listen, I've got to say this again. Hebrews 5 says, though he were a son, yet watch, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. He was the son of God. He was already perfect. But it says, though he was perfect, he learned obedience to the things that he suffered. And he said, and being perfected. You'd have to go read it sometime. In other words, he was a perfect Messiah, but in order to be a perfect Savior, he had to take on suffering. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. It says that surely he carried your sorrows. He bore your griefs. It says that he, he understands he's a great high priest who's touched with the feeling of your infirmities. He knows your weaknesses. So you can't come and say, Jesus, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the burdens. You don't know the cares I have. You don't know what's... And he can say, oh, child, I know exactly what you're going through because I took it upon myself. And in my obedience, I was perfected to be able to save you. Oh, that's good news today. Hallelujah. I'm preaching myself happy. So you go back now to the original intention. We got the original intention back in the garden, eternity passed, but you got the ultimate intervention with Jesus coming to in our place. But we got that big question mark. That big question mark. Folks, when something happens, let me give you an example. Y'all know who Jer- Joni Erickson Tata is? Can I see your hand if you know who Joni Erickson Tata is? She is a Christian author. She's a Christian artist. And she just recently recorded a song that was about a lot of controversy about it. It was on a Christian movie called Alone Yet Not Alone. And the, the self-titled t- song um, 
anyway, the Grammys pulled it out because it had Christian theme to it, and they are, it's not the Grammys, the uh, Oscars, and, uh, because they were prejudiced against Christians. And, but she, she's the one that sang it. When she was a teenager, she dove into uh, a lake and didn't realize that the water was too shallow, and she snapped her neck and was paralyzed from the neck down. And she is now, uh, I think she's around my age, she has lived her whole life as a quadriplegic, and yet she paints with her teeth, and she writes, she writes books, and she sings. Now, let me ask y'all, do you believe God can heal? Do you believe God could heal her? Yes, he can. But here's the, it goes out into that zone, is that why hasn't he? And we can start judging. And listen, there, there are some quick ones we can say, but if you can knock those off and say, but that's not it, there, that moves it in that zone of, okay, we don't know. We don't know. So then, therefore, we've got to understand God is behind the scenes. I want you to look, look this way. God is behind the scenes. And I brought here, that, that, this is the biggest needle I could find. Maybe I should have called you. I needed a big old needle. All right, so y'all could see her. She, she got, well, yeah, she sold her finger up the other day with her sewing machine. Um, you look this way, child of God. When he says all things are working together, that means there's a weaving going on in your life that you can't see. And, and here's, now catch this. This is by revelation the Lord gave it to me. The word says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. You know what the cord of three strands are in this weaving for your life? It's your past, your present, and your future. And God has taken your past, and he's taken your present, and he's taken his future purpose, and he's weaving it together. But here is what he's asking you and I to do. God says, I put the needle in your hand. See, you're the one that chooses to weave. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And what God is asking you, he's saying, when you set your love on me, he said, basically what you're doing, you're saying, God, you wrought me in my mother's womb. You fashioned me. And, you've, and not only that, you said all my days are being knitted together. You have plans and a purpose. And here's what he's saying. Child, I gave you the needle, but if you'll love me, it's equal to you putting the needle in my hand. And now I'm taking your past, I'm taking your present, and no matter what even comes, he says, I'm going to work it into a divine plan, and I'm making a masterpiece. And when you step back in eternity, remember what we said the other day? That our, when we get to heaven looking back through those lenses, we'll get the focus, and you'll realize that the mountaintops, when everything was going good, everybody's getting healed, everybody's getting saved. I mean, it's good all the time. I mean, it's just awesome. You're on the mountaintop. Those are going to be your valleys. And then the valleys when you were in adversity, when you were hurting, when you were suffering evil, when you got setbacks, you were really having to struggle to get through where you were. And boy, I know what I'm talking about right now. Those are going to be your valleys. Because see, you learn a lot more in the valley than you do on the mountaintop. Oh, come on now. I want to say it again. You learn a lot more down in the valley than you do on the mountaintop. Maybe you don't want to say amen to that, but it's true. Now, anybody know what emojis are? You didn't know it, but there's an emoji right here in the middle of the message because God sent you an emoji 2,000 years ago. 
In fact, he said, I loved you with an everlasting love. God loved you before you were, even before you were born. He said, I know the plans. I have your days. And here is what it looks like. This is the stealthness of how God works. He makes all things, and all things when you love him are processed. See the three chords? God takes it, and he wraps it together. And he says, when I do it, it's going to be good. You're going to like how this turns out. But here's what he's saying. Child, put the needle in my hand. Choose me. Choose the Lord. Love me, and you'll watch your life. It'll become a beautiful, beautiful tapestry. Okay, now watch this. The invisible thread and needle. Here is, here is what we know, and here's what we don't know. Follow me now. I'm going to walk through this, and then worship team, get ready. Number one, we know but not understand that all things work together for the good. Did you notice that? It says we know, but we don't understand. Is there a difference? Yes. If you know that God is good, what do we read in Psalm 27? That because I believe that the goodness of the, I'd see the goodness of the Lord, I've set my hope on him. Because you know God is good, you know there's nothing that can happen to you that will end up being bad. Because he's working it in your favor, he said. So we don't understand, but we know. Secondly, when we share in his sufferings, and this is going back to the whole chapter, you really need to read all of Romans 8. It says, when we share in his sufferings, we will share in his glory. That's the reason I said, you know, a lot of people, and, and, and I guess I will too, we're going to get to heaven and realize where we conserved things and, and kept things for ourselves and, and did things, and it's all about, you know, our, what we can get, you know, that we're going to get up and, and God's going to rewind the tape and everything that we did to gain for ourselves will be a loss there. But everything that we gave so that he would gain, that becomes a reward. And it's all working backwards. And so when you go through surfing, all oh, people say, oh, you know, poor pitiful thing. They're just going through all kinds. And, and, and it's right now. But the Bible says our light and momentary afflictions are working together a far greater weight of glory. So whatever you face, when you get to heaven, he's going to say, I want you to see the reward that you've got because you suffered for me. And you didn't give up on believing in me. You knew that I was still good. I'm going to reward your obedience. Come on, somebody. Uh, three, all right. Now, here's, here's one thing. This is one of the things we know. If a person is in trouble or, or going through some kind of problem, we know that we reap what we sow. So in some cases, some people are, are reaping what they sowed. It's not because they're going through a test. They're having to learn a lesson. All right, so it, that, sometimes that's why bad things happen. Four, we know some things do not change because we believe the wrong things. You need to hear me. Some of you are waiting for a change to take in your life, uh, for the season of change to take place in your life, and the season is being delayed because you won't change. Your circumstances don't need to change. You need to change your circumstances. And so sometimes it's wrong belief. And if you sat in a church where they told you God doesn't heal, if you believe that, you, you can sit and be sick and when you could be healed. You're believing the wrong thing. And you're believing the wrong things about God. So it's about what you believe. Um, number five, we know that some things are permitted to test and prove us for promotion. Joseph, David, Abraham, Moses, Jesus, Peter, 
Paul, I mean, could we keep going? Esther, we could go right through the Bible and you put that grid on there and God allows testings to come to prove us, to see, to, 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 to let us see where we are. Six, we know that some things are serving a greater purpose or a future plan. Do you know a lot of the struggles, some of us, and I can tell you personally, a lot of the personal struggles I have is because of the, the, the generation that I came from. And I'm having to break generational curses for the blessing to go upon my children and my grandchildren. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So sometimes when you're going through, so why is it such a struggle? God is saying because you're breaking future curses off your family. In fact, that's what we're doing here as a church. God called, the, the name Alabama is, 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 is thicket clearer. And we have been put in a state that has a reputation of being racist and religious and even rebellious. And God has set a people that says, I'm going to make you thicket clearers so you can clear a way that my glory can come into a state. And so some things we're doing, we're struggling because there's an invisible force against us, but there's an invisible thread that's working for us. Come on, somebody. Now watch this. Now this is really important. Number seven, we know that some things happen because God was left with no option. Have you thought about that? Do you know God is very patient and forbearing, right? But when a person remains stiff-necked, hard-headed, won't listen, but God still loves them, guess what he'll do? He'll, he'll, look, he'll say, you have left me no options. I'm going to have to get your attention. Can I give you a little friendly advice from the little preacher up here today? Don't go there. I've learned this lesson a long time ago. You can either humble yourself in the sight of the Lord or wait and let him humble you. Come on, somebody knows what I'm talking about. That, yeah. You say, what's an example? Well, how about Pharaoh? How many chances did he get? And God said, boy, you left me no options. I'm coming down. Do you see that? Eight. We know that all things work together and nothing is ever lost in God's goodness. Oh, I, I love that part. Here's a, here's a little exercise. It says, um, says nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. But it says all things are possible to those that believe. You ought to go through and do those nothings, anythings, everythings. Watch this. Be careful for nothing but in Everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request be made known to God. Now watch, it's not done yet. And the peace of God which passes all, not knowing, understanding. It passes all understanding. Why? Because you know your God is good. The word says don't lean, when you're going through evil and suffering, don't lean to your own understanding. Oh Lord, help me. We're, 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 we're turning the corner. We know that God's timing is never too early and it's never too late. Have you ever noticed that God sometimes seems to be a little delayed on his promises? I have. I've got God, you know, I've heard God never, never uh, shows up late, but he passes a lot of opportunities to be early. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And that's why he's on a different timetable. So you got to know he's threading. He's working behind the scenes. If you'll just wait on him, that's what Psalm 27, wait on the Lord and be of good courage and watch what he'll do. Next, where we're already, 10, know that God, that it is God's goodness that leads us to believe until the end. Notice he said, unless I would have, I would have lost heart, 
unless I'd have believed that I'd see his goodness. Oh, I love this verse. Isaiah 43. But now says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I've redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. Has any of you ever heard him call your name? Do you understand? He knows your name. He'll say, Bill, Paul, Sarah. And you know that voice. That's the voice of your father. And he says, I called you by your name. He said, I've redeemed you. I formed you and I redeemed you. Now, watch this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor will the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God. Can I get a witness? Can you stand up with me? I want to close in prayer. Worship team, I want you to come on up. My, my, my. Thank you, Lord. Yes, ma'am. All right. I told God I wouldn't do it unless he wanted me to. And I knew he wanted me to. Exactly what you've been preaching on happened to me. In mm. 01, my husband died in zero. Six months later, I was teaching a little Bible study, and was about 10 people were there, and we were studying Psalm 91. In that psalm, he said that those that set their love on God, that he would protect them from all evil. Mm -hmm. And we got that, we studied and we read. So, I was driving. A great big, had a Ford then. When I came out of her house, right before you get to the bridge, I had to go about, just hit the highway. A big old truck I wasn't quite at the bridge. That's for the fix the bridge. A big old truck hit me in behind on the left side, on my right, on this side. And I can't, and on top of that, he knocked me, he didn't knock me to the bridge. Just, there was a big old spot. That car went on that spot. It went upside down with an old trailer on the top of it. And there I was, and my friend was in the car with me. And there I was, upside down, out of it. And she came out with just a scratch. But let me tell you just exactly what you said. If nothing bad ever happened to anybody, how could I get up and tell of God's goodness and God's result? And I'm okay because I shot the armor. Okay. I claimed that song. I said, you promised that you that no evil would befall me. Okay, when I came to, they found I just had a cracked neck. And it was taking about three months to heal. Well, I told God, I said, God, now you're going to take care of me. And there are things you want me to do. And I well, if you will, I'm going to be healed instead of three months six weeks sooner okay they agreed with me and I went to that doctor he didn't believe me I said I'm going to be healed now I had an old collar on my face 
over my neck. And I never did hurt her talk. Well, he says, uh-uh, you haven't had time. He took me <laughs> to the hospital. He x-rayed, came out of that grave that car and says, you are healed. And you tell me, God does it. Sometimes we don't understand why these bad things happen. But why could I get up and tell that what you are preaching is right? And that you need. You need somebody not to be bitter. I wasn't bitter about it. Because I knew God was going to do it. He was going to work it out for good. And I tell you, I just everywhere I go, when I get an opportunity, for God's story, it's not for me. I sat there and I said, I'm not going to do it now. Unless you want me to. I couldn't sit there no longer. So I said, he's preaching and people need to listen to what you say and look for the good. And I don't care what it is. God can work it out for his story. That's all I want is to give him glory. Come on, somebody. Wait. Granny put an exclamation point on it. You better watch out when that finger comes out, baby. Hallelujah. I want us to finish strong today. How many received this message? How many received this message? There's nothing that can happen to you that God won't rewind it, reweave it, and make it for your good. Can we finish strong today? Let's make a declaration. Hallelujah.